0: You're listening to China Africa Talk.
1: Jumbo, ni Bridget aki kuletea kipindi kina chosianana China na Afrika.
0: Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget.
1: Everything China, everything Africa.
0: Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Seidat wa sadat, marhaban bikum. Fil pòuri cìnìi l'arabi ma Bridget.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of China Africa Talk, the program that brings you discussions and views from a Chinese and African perspective. I'm your host, Bridget Mutambiwa, coming to you from Beijing. And here's hoping you're hearing us loud and clear from wherever you tuned in from, be it on your favorite podcast or selected radio frequencies in Africa. Now, in this week's edition, together with my two guests... Professor Liu Jicheng, who is a senior fellow and professor of Chongyang Institute of Financial Studies, Renmin University of China, who also holds extensive research on macroeconomy, agriculture financing, and urban-rural policy and industrialization strategy, together with Mr. Wandi Lesislobo, chief economist of the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa, will be discussing the major threats to food security in some parts of the African continent and in China. My guests and I will explore whether the impact of the Ukraine crisis has had an effect on China and parts of the African continent's food security, and perhaps discuss some collaborative measures China and African countries can share in the long to ensure food security. Professor Liu and Wandile, it's great to have you on the line and on our program.
2: Thank you for having me on.
1: Wandile, what are the major threats to food security in your country?
2: I mean, South Africa at the moment is in a relatively better place compared with much of the African continent or even parts of the world. In a sense that Mm -hmm. when one wants to understand food security, you have to first look at how South Africa's agriculture is set up. We are generally a net exporting sector. We export about half of what we produce in value terms. It's not a big amount of money as we are a relatively small country. It's about $12.4 billion of agricultural products a year. But of course, there are some imports. We We spend a year about $6 billion or so importing food um, and agricultural products. On the top of that Mm. is usually wheat, uh, palm oil and poultry products and rice. And at the moment then, we are exposed a lot in the global shocks, particularly the war in Russia and Ukraine. If you look at how global grain prices are at the moment and vegetable oil prices, and those are the products that are rising the fastest in South retail sector at this moment. So we're not experiencing food shortages, but rather we're experiencing okay. relatively higher product prices, particularly for those two commodities, vegetable oils and grains well africa as some people do not like to say this but when it comes to agriculture it is an exception when one looks at much of the african continent in this region probably one the the only one um, in, in zambia are food secure countries in here much of southern african countries experiencing very tough conditions at the moment the likes of zimbabwe kenya malawi mozambique they are all experiencing shortfalls in both of the grain products and some of the agricultural products and vegetable oils. And food price inflation in most of the African countries is already at double digits. But if you look in South Africa, food prices are rising at around about 6% on a year on year basis, which is largely even much softer, even with some of the developed world. If you look at them, food price inflation in the US and other parts of the world is much higher than those levels. So what has cushioned South Africa is of course, is that increased supply. When you look at much of the other African countries, they don't have those supply cushions. And of course, that can be explained by a lot more detail about how agricultural sectors in each individual African countries are set up. In South Africa having advanced a lot in the usage of biotechnology and expanding and increasing productivity on agriculture. And after it, we see increased productivity in Zambia and much of the other African countries, there's a softer levels of productivity in primary agriculture level. And that translates then to these disparities that we see in food security conditions when we look across the Southern Africa region and indeed the African continent.
1: Professor Liu, there are several factors that are contributing to today's food security crisis. What are the major threats to food security in China? Are they the same in your country, with the ones mentioned by one delay in South Africa?
0: In principle, we have some different conditions and problems as in South Africa, especially in the food shortage and the food security issues. As we know in China, that in the past 40 years, that China's economic development is so fast, especially. The main point is that the urbanization that has a really very strong impact on the agricultural product. As we know in the recent ten years, many people in the rural areas and also in agricultural field they complained that the competition among Chinese agricultural products and also the urbanization made rural areas some difficulties and uncertainties. So that caused some problem for their food security but of course from food shortage at the moment china is well managed and controlled in the past 40 years china has never happened such a problem as we had the last century so this 40 years that we have already solved and found our own way to solve all these threats and crisis. so i don't see the big or heavy impact from the International global market that on China's domestic market because we are well prepared to deal with such challenges. But as I said, that uh, urbanization is the major, not a threat, the major mm-hmm. challenge for our uh, country That uh, how to deal with this shortage of the labor force in rural areas and also the shortage of high technology to help the agricultural product. That's the cost from the urbanization. I think there's a problem similar as in the Latin America and other continental developing countries.
1: Where does China currently stand on the global food security ladder?
0: I should say that China in the global food security or food insecurity ladder, that China is not so important or not so serious as in the South Africa or even in other countries. China, because has well organized all this production in the agriculture, Many experts in South Africa also know the other fact that China has already in the past 40 years the well-known number one document. The number one document is always at the very beginning of the year. The central government will issue the number one document only talking about the issue in agriculture area. 40 years, 40 times of this number one document discussing different issues related to agriculture problems. So in this way, that China has really well managed all these challenges and problems to deal with uncertainties. At least that China will not export our prices to the global market, but they always try to help easing the food shortage and food insecurity challenges in the global market.
1: Okay. Wandile, you are not only an expert in agriculture business, but also a senior economist in agriculture business. Yes. Where does your country currently rank on the global food security ladder from where you stand?
2: I mean, South Africa is, one would have to take it regional, for example, within the sub-Saharan Africa region is the most food secure country. But if you look at it in a global perspective, then we come up as the second or third, depending on which year you are looking at in the African continent. Globally, we still have a lot to do to be at a better level. But I think the point here is that, is the country at the current moment running out of food supplies or what's going on? And the answer there is no. Are food prices rising at an unsustainable pace? And the answer to that is also no. What has assisted over time is increased investments in agricultural technology, Adoption of agricultural technology with the government policies also favourable on that. And then the question is to say, how do you take such practices and calibrate it across the African continent, particularly Mm -hmm. the sub-Saharan Africa continent, so that we begin to see improvement in food supplies in this region as well? Because South Africa is one of those countries with not as favorable climatic conditions. It's a semi-arid country. For example, it's a country of about 122 million hectares. The grains and oil seeds in that 122 million hectares, we're only producing them in 4 million hectares. Some of the other countries have better climatic conditions, better soils, and I think with better government policy and better investments, We can increase productivity and make sure that we strengthen the market fragmentations that currently exist. And that, over time, improves agriculture, improves food security and improves livelihood.
1: But Wandile, why does it seem, though, like several countries in the region are not scaling up to domestic food production and food security?
2: I mean, there's a number of challenges on why African countries are not scaling up. The most fundamental one, it has to do with land governance for much of the african continent there are no clear defined property rights and we all know the havoc of land reform in a number of countries but even where there hasn't been a havoc of land reform but land governance is not properly segmented because for you to see investments in agriculture you have to ensure that there is a long-term protection of property rights so that people can be able to invest onto that. And I mentioned the property rights issue because unlike maybe China and the other countries where the governments can play a much more active role, the African governments do not have the fiscal support that the Chinese government has for its citizens and its farmers. Then you rely here or you need private sector capital. And private sector Mm -hmm. capital comes under certain clearly defined rules of the game which involves better governance. Secondly, infrastructure is very poor in a number of countries which basically means then even if production were to be favourable in a one region but the produce have to be transferred to somewhere to reach a consumer and to reach the export markets. So that needs better road networks better rail networks and better shipping ports and if those existed infrastructure and property rights then you could begin to see investments flowing in and of course regulations around the use of technology and being more open to some of the technological advancements and some of the uh, of the agrochemicals that are not helpful to environment but good for productivity those are things that some of the african governments should be thinking about and which are things South africa from early on The country was blessed to have those networks which were built initially for the mining industry, but then over time, they served the agricultural sector well as
1: well. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China Africa Talk, hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get on our Wavelength every week to find out what's real with China Africa Talk. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. We'll see you there. Professor Liu, foods insecurity continues to be a global concern and a threat to several countries across the globe. How has China managed to overcome since?
0: Yes, it's really a very important question. You know that China is an agriculture-based country. We have already well-developed industrialization in the past 40 years. That's why the central government also laid the first line, the first priority to feed the population. As we know, agriculture in China is the lifeline of our country, also the lifeline of our people. So as we know, that 1.4 billion people, the population, how to feel such a huge population. Yeah. We don't need the, the the highway, we don't need the high speed train or because they, they cannot feed the people. We need mm-hmm. enough grain and food supply. That's why that the central government has really paid great attention that, that to safeguard the food security in China. Give you another example that to understand. China has already a deadline, a red line for the arable land in China. Mm-hmm. 1.2 billion hectares. This is the deadline for all government, no matter how long it will manage the the central government. But in agriculture products, the 1.2 billion hectares should be safeguarded and also should be used only for agriculture, for planting, for all products. This is a very basic policy for China. 1.2 billion. So we have population uh, 1.4 billion. So you can see that almost equal. So this is why that China has paid a great attention to safeguard or the arable. land. And secondly, also we have already imported and uh, some technical innovation. That means to improve the grain production, as we know, the, the professor of Yuan has also pro hybrid rice in China, also can feed the many population all over the world. Yuan Longping is the famous scientist in China, that's why he can do its best job that uh, not only to feed the Chinese population, but also can export to other countries. So in this way, the China really paid great attention. Also, has larger investment in the agricultural research, agriculture, scientific technologies, and also together with. More advanced equipment to improve the agricultural condition. So this is really very essential for China's security in food supply chain. Hope that China could become more than a self-reliance on the food supply, but also we can do much a lot to help other countries in the world that who are in urgent need of their food production.
1: What impact has the Ukraine crisis had on the Chinese food security?
0: Uh, In short term, that we have found the impact is uh, uh, quite limited because as we know that we find the agreement to import some agricultural products from Ukraine and from Russia that's already uh, disrupted and uh, because we know that the war could not be ended in a foreseeable time. But we have already uh, preserved enough food and also facilitated the supply chain of the food and products is from other resources like Canada, like in Asian countries, Thailand and also Vietnam, for instance. We see that the other possible supplies that come together. And also we see that Indonesia also very active agriculture export business. So we can expand more channels and opportunities to have cooperation with other countries. But we hope that the, the current crisis could be ended and solved as soon as possible because it has a great impact on the global market. The price is much higher, and the people are nervous about the shortage of supply, especially even including European countries also, they have such concerns. So in this way that we should do our best to help the two countries to find a good solution, a peaceful solution. To end the war and also the conflict should be ended peacefully and the supply chain of food should be restored as soon as possible. But for long-term impact that China will have to do more efforts that to enlarge its cooperations with other continents, especially in Asian countries, to deal with sudden crisis or heavy shortage of the food. Especially for not only for the food, but also fertilizer, for crops, oils, and also other products related. So, we hope these challenges could be dealt with in a proper way.
1: Wandile, what impact has the Ukraine crisis had on the continent's food security? And how about in the foreseeable future for your country in terms of domestic food production and supply amid the Russia Ukraine war and the disruptions it has caused in the global grains market?
2: South Africa is experiencing the shocks of the war, um, as everybody else that is seeing in the grains market. But of course, because we don't have a large exposure per se on trade with those two countries, we're not experiencing the shortage part, but we do see through the pricing channels the effect of the war. Before that, Mm -hmm. we used to import about 26% of our wheat imports out of Russia and since February we have since replaced that with the wheat that we get out of the EU, Europe and the US. And we don't think that going forward, because after the war, there will still be some long-term effects of resolving the challenges there. And we don't think that uh, Russia will still be playing a significant role in the global agricultural market, at least over the medium term. After that, they might have the volumes, but I think the trading will be very difficult in our view.
1: The BRICS summit, which South Africa is also part of, is around the corner. What role could this play in post-pandemic world recovery and food insecurity from where you stand as an economist and an agricultural expert.
2: I mean, the BRICS summit, of course, the politicians can speak for themselves on that, but it is a political gathering per se, but not a trade agreement. But as South Africa, we do have interest in China. We would like to increase our exports in China. In our market, where we are exporting about $12.4 billion of agricultural products, China is still a very small part of that. And in fact, they make up about 0.4% of our overall agricultural exports. Of course, there are great cooperation between China and South Africa when we think about manufacturing, high tech products, but within agriculture, cooperation is still small. Our desire is to increase our relationship with China and the exports, particularly in the fruit, wine and uh, beef sector. And we hope that the conversations that are strengthened through the BRICS grouping could perhaps assist us in putting those messages forward, but also interacting with some of the stakeholders and colleagues from China.
1: Professor, the Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Affairs of China and the UN Food and Agriculture Organization signed a general agreement on phase three of the China FAO South to South Trust Fund. Now, how has China Africa Agriculture Corporation been able to participate in ensuring food security to countries in the African continent that are extremely vulnerable to food insecurity post-pandemic?
0: I think it, two points must be emphasized or pay greater attention to safeguard okay. the food security. But also, we should safeguard the cooperations between China and South Africa and other countries. As we know, the trust fund, the agreement already signed, and uh, this is a good basis and a good start that because this agreement signed uh, at the beginning of this year, that but uh, unfortunately, we have the pandemic outbreak could be disrupted. But uh, in the long run, that uh, the cooperation between two sides will be enhanced and further developed. As we know, when the BRICS summit meeting will discuss and the further cooperations in the agriculture and in and all other areas. But uh, I have to say that why is that? from policies making side that China's government and also South Africa government should really adopt a reasonable and reliable policy that to safeguard, to support the cooperation of between the two uh, countries and the companies related, especially for those custom control and also tax income control and how to coordinate with each other's demands on the supply side. So all these questions and challenges must be decided. And of course, secondly, we should understand that two sides should have deepening understanding to coordinate with each other and to have more protection of each other's benefits in order to avoid any geopolitical negative impact from outside because as we know that some Western countries, major countries, do not like to see the close cooperation among BRICS countries and uh, South Africa and China, for instance. So we should be really uh, united closely to solve out any possible disputes through discussions and negotiations and avoid any negative impact from the global crisis, especially from the Ukraine crisis.
1: Wandele, from your perspective, As an expert in the agriculture industry, what would be the ideal in addressing to the food shortages? Perhaps what can China and Africa learn from each other?
2: There's a lot that can be learned, but I think much of the cooperation has to be on sharing knowledge about their technological use in the agricultural space. China has some useful examples that have boosted its productivity. Um, and I can be able to learn a lot from there. And I will speak particularly for South Africa. China can take some lessons also within the South African side. But I think more than anything is strengthening trade cooperation between South Africa and China because that's what South African businesses desire. And I believe that's what the South African government also would like to see happening, particularly within the agriculture. We are already doing relatively well products, but we would like to see that cooperation happen. And we think that over the long run, if there is demand from major countries like China, then what that ends up doing is it stimulates even production at the domestic level in South Africa to be more than where we currently are. And over the long run, that ends up resolving a number of issues around food security and unemployment. And we hope that through engagement either in BRICS or any other forums that these countries gets to do, we could see that trade happening. And of course, I think on the long run, the African continent would like to see also closer cooperation than we currently are with China.
1: Professor, from your perspective, as an agriculture expert, what can China and African countries share with each other?
0: First, the important thing that we should try to learn from each other. We know that South Africa has many developments and products that really need Chinese companies and farmers to learn. Both sides should try to have more training or technical seminars and have a closer conversation and cooperation. The legal consultancy is more important than anything else. And also the training course for both sides is so important. The build and the road initiative also very important. The platform from both sides to cooperate together, especially for the agricultural products.
1: Now, unfortunately, that's all the time we have in this week's edition of China Africa Talk. Professor Liu Jiching and Mr. Lesis Lobo. thank you for sharing your views on how your respective countries and regions are contributing and collaborating to the current threat of food insecurity.
2: Thank you. Thank
1: you. From the rest of the team and myself, it's goodbye for now. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.